Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Tonight, we're going to talk about being prepared. God gave me a word a few nights ago, and the word was prepare, prepare, prepare. This whole long list of things to prepare. He said, the word of the Lord says prepare. And so the next day, he told me, he said, get a lesson together about what you have to do to be prepared. And hard times are coming. And tell them what they need to do to be prepared prepared, but not in the way that most people try to prepare in a far more effective way, in a spiritual way. Well, that morning I started to get the notes together, what he was telling me to do. And then later that evening, I got a call from a friend who was telling me a dream she had. And in the dream, she was running from this, it was this leopard thing that that had gotten in and was just terrorizing her. And she was she was running and she was trying to hide and it caught her off guard. She wasn't prepared. She was trying to get away from it. And then she said, and then you showed up and I could tell by what your clothes, the way you were wearing that you knew it was coming. It's like you were prepared. And I'm like laughing while I'm hearing it because she keeps talking about how you were prepared. You were prepared. You knew it was coming. She was like, and it's just like the way you were dressed. You, you knew, she said, and you reached in and you grabbed me and you said, I know where to go. She was like, but I, I wasn't prepared, but you were prepared. So I knew I needed to get prepared. I told her, I said, that is like the biggest confirmation for the, the word that the Lord gave me about what we need to do to be prepared. Most people want to prepare physically. We want to build a form. We want to stock up bullets and we want to stock up food and we want to get all of these things, grow bunny rabbits. But the Bible says to store not up treasures where moth and rust will destroy and where thieves will steal. And if it's one thing those of us in Louisiana know after Katrina and other natural disasters is you can store up a lot of stuff that can get stolen real quick. What God told me was that hard times are coming. Tell the people how to prepare because right now is the time to prepare. But it's a spiritual preparation. He said, prepare your seeking. Prioritize your time with God. Prepare your hearing, which is your prayer life. Prepare your faith. Believe what you hear. Prepare your actions. Obey what you hear. Prepare your praising. Get an attitude of gratitude. So basically what God told me is that right now is a time of preparation, but it's a time of preparation and training where we need to really sit down with a mindset of I'm going to train myself how to be prepared. And the only true way to be prepared is to have a clear hearing of what the Lord is saying. Because if God is always telling us how to step around every snare, that's more effective than trying to store up for when you're backed into a corner. You know, and it's just that sense of in no matter what the situation, if it's hard times, if it's economic times, if it's social disorder, or if it's just a trial in your life, you will always be prepared if you can hear and seek the Lord in advance for what he is telling you, because he will always tell you the devil's plan in advance. And that's the best way to be prepared. As he was giving me the scriptures for this lesson, I began to realize that really God has been speaking this to all of us, because every scripture that I was hitting was stuff that 
came out of Danny's sermon from last week, stuff that Will had been highlighting throughout the week, stuff God had given me. Uh, some of my scriptures Elizabeth highlighted again today. And so I know the Lord has been speaking this around, and in the lesson he gave me is where it all comes together to make sense. Why the emphasis on seeking the Lord? Why the emphasis on prayer and hearing? Why the emphasis on the fear of the Lord? It's because all of these things are required to be prepared for where he takes us next. So the first thing we're going to look at, Zephaniah 2, verse 2 and 3, prepare your seeking in advance of any situation. And this even applies to blessings. You know, if God is going to use you in ministry in some form, these are things that need to be prepared in advance also. So we need to train ourselves to seek the Lord, prioritize that time. We need to train ourselves to make it a point to hear from the Lord, not just to pray, praying, yes, but also to hear what he has to say. We have to train ourselves to believe what he's saying, to obey it, to walk it out in faith, and to be thankful and have an attitude of gratitude and praise him no matter what. So by preparing your seeking, we need to prepare ourselves for things to come by having a lifestyle of seeking the Lord. We have to seek him for everything. We have to ask him about everything. We can't ever assume anything. Zephaniah 2, verse 2 through 3 says, Before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek the Lord. All ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So seek the Lord in advance. Seek his righteousness, seek meekness. It says, and it may be that he will hide you. Yes. It may be mm -hmm. ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. In other words, the day of the Lord's anger is wrath. In other words, it's to level the city. Right. But just like in the day of Moses and Egypt, where the Israelites to apply the blood, as the death angel came, to be hid would be that same apply the blood, the death angel. So as we're hid in Christ. And they were spared because Moses was faithful to seek the Lord and get that instruction. So that's the importance of seeking the Lord. And this applies not just to the Lord's return kind of a situation, but in any situation where God's wrath or anger is poured out, if we're seeking him in advance, then we will always know his heart and know how to be in right standing with him. One thing about seeking, see, it says seek righteousness. When we are in God's righteousness, then we're doing what he says is right. When we do what we think is right, we're self-righteous. But when we seek righteousness, we're seeking to know what God says is right. And when we're in right standing with God, we, he will cover us. You know, it says he hears the cry of the righteous. So when you're seeking God, you're always seeking to know what he wants you to do, when he wants you to do it, how he wants you to do it. And by doing that, not only will he give you instructions in advance of the attacks of the enemy and tell you, hey, there's a snare coming. Hey, my wrath is about to get poured out. Hey, get this right. And you can always know how to step around or how to step close to him and be in his righteousness in right standing with him. So, they were hid, in the example you gave, the Israelites were hid in the day of God's anger. 
because they were in right standing with God because they did what he said was right to do, but they only knew to do it because Moses was faithful to seek the Lord and get that instruction. We can claim to be whatever we want, but if we're not seeking the Lord and walking out his righteousness, then we're really not his. So one of the most important things, and you'll see this repeated and played out throughout the process of what we're going to go through, but it's continually saying, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. It's so important for us to constantly seek the Lord. I ask God every morning, what do you want me to do today? Give me my list. You know, there's a list of things he wants me to do. There's a list of things he wants me to put off. You know, we have to seek the Lord about everything. And a lot of times, if I have to do something else that's outside of that list, I will stop first and pray and ask, is it okay for me to go do this? You know, because sometimes it's really important for you to stop and listen because he's about to give you some instructions. When I got that word about prepare, 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 I was in the kitchen, I was cooking, and I was cracking and peeling pecans to put in the freezer, you know, and I was real busy, and there was people there, and, and God said, stop right now and pray. You know, and I felt that pulling, and I, my, I wanted to be like, well, I'm busy, is it really that important? But I went in the bedroom, and I prayed, and he gave me that word about prepare, prepare. So then the next day when she told me her dream about you were prepared, and I wasn't prepared, and I knew I needed to be prepared, then I had that, that confirmation and that sense of urgency about, wow, God really wants this lesson taught. But had I not been obedient to seek him when I first felt that pulling, even though I had other things to do, I had to put that aside and be obedient to seek him for what is it you want to tell me? Because all I knew is he said pray. I didn't know what it was. I had to go seek him before I figured that out. Then I wouldn't have gotten any of it. And she wouldn't have gotten her confirmation. I wouldn't have gotten my confirmation. And we wouldn't have gotten the lesson. So it's always important to seek the Lord, no matter what. The preparation is, is spiritual because nothing we do that is physical, what if God says, get up and move? You know, what if he gives you a command? Even in situations outside of what we might consider to be hard times or whatever, even for example, in a church, what if we are doing all of the physical preparations, you're doing everything physically to try to build a congregation, you're trying to build a church, you're trying to build facilities, but the Holy Spirit gives you a commandment to move. Well, your treasures are now in the labors that you put into building that with your own hands. You're not going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when he says move. So we have to prepare spiritually. Now, if you spend all that time seeking the Lord and learning to hear his voice and walking out in obedience, then when he says to move, you're going to move no matter what because your treasure has been built up in spiritual things. So in any situation in life, we have to learn to seek the Lord and not to do the works of our own hands or our own logic because you will become attached to the labors of those works where we need to be attached to the hearing of, of the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can even get attached to, to people, you know, that sometimes God will say, let go of a person or let go of a, a situation or a relationship, but we've put so much labor into it that we want to cling to it and we're not listening to the voice of the Lord. But that comes by ways of us trying to figure things out in our own logic. That's walking in our own understanding, our own righteousness. That's why when Danny preached last Sunday about seek the Lord, he touched on that scripture where it says that he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. The truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot of good-hearted people that are doing evil. There's a lot of good-hearted preachers and churches that are doing evil because they didn't seek the Lord. They're doing what they think is right. And in their heart, they're genuinely trying to do the work of the Lord, but they're not seeking the Lord. And a minister can lead a church completely astray off of the plan of God 
because they're doing what they think is right and not seeking the Lord for what he says is right or for what he says to do. And that's how it becomes very easy for the enemy to infiltrate the church. You know, I would go into all these churches all over Baton Rouge and like almost everyone I go into, there's obvious Masonic influence all over the place. And you're like, how did they infiltrate everything? You know, and it's like, well, you know, there's pastors that did what they thought was right and they didn't seek the Lord because God would have given them the warnings. He would have told them who to trust and who not to trust, but they didn't seek the Lord. They trusted what they thought was right. So the enemy is very deceitful. The Antichrist is not coming to deceive the world. The world is already deceived. He's coming to deceive the church, and he is the master deceiver. He is the father of lies. We are not smart enough or good enough to figure out his plans and to see through his deceits. It's not possible. We have to seek the Lord so that he can show us and then we have to hear and obey so we can step around all of those snares. So in any circumstance or situation, good or bad, before we do anything, we always need to seek the Lord. So after we realize the importance of seeking the Lord, the next thing we need to do is to prepare our praying. Matthew 26, 41 says, we need to get in an attitude, a mindset of having a life of prayer, which goes hand in hand with seeking the Lord because you seek the Lord through prayer. But when you get in a mindset of constantly seeking him, even when you're not in active prayer, he will still be sending the confirmations and the, the words to the things you were seeking him about in prayer. Even when you're not looking for it at times, it'll come to you. Just like when I sought him the day before and he gave me the word about preparation, the next day I wasn't even looking for it when I got the phone call that was a confirmation of it. But it took that time in prayer or that confirmation would have not meant anything. So we need to prepare our prayer life. Matthew 26, 41, 44 says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And of course, this was Jesus speaking to the disciples when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time, and prayed, saying, O Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy, and he left them and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So he, he told them, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So that would imply that if they had stayed awake and actually prayed, they would have avoided falling into temptation. Because if we remember, every one of them abandoned him. They ran away. They rejected. They all fell to temptation because they weren't praying. Now, this would imply that possibly had they been awake praying, God would have put it in their spirit what was coming. They would have been prepared. They would not have fallen to that temptation. Now, when we pray, sometimes God will show us in advance. A lot of times he'll show us in advance things that are coming. And just the fact that you're praying against it alone can stop it. But that's not always the case because sometimes this thing has to play out. Just like this, it had to play out. But had they been praying, God would have told them, hey, this is going to play out this way and this is what you do. So they would have known how to act in it and they would not have fallen into temptation through it. So when we pray and we're diligent to pray and seek the Lord, he's going to show us the plans that the enemy has. And this is a constant thing. Don't think that it's condemnation if God is constantly showing you bad things that's coming. If you're having dreams and like you're always like in a bad situation in them, don't panic. 
Because a lot of times I'll go to somebody with a dream and they'll be like, why is it always bad? I'm not doing wrong. It's like, well, this is the plan that the enemy has. God's trying to keep you from doing wrong. If you're doing good, then listen to the dream and he'll help you to avoid. Because if you don't, you will fall into temptation. It's crazy to think that we are smarter than the devil, that he can't deceive us. He is the father of lies. And unless we get those instructions for God, that there's a pitfall right here, walk to the left, walk to the right, we will fall. So sometimes you can fight it in advance. So praying will keep the whole situation, the trial from coming. Sometimes it's part of God's will that this stuff has to play out, but he will tell you how to walk around it. Sometimes other people's free will comes into play and these situations are going to play out regardless, but he'll tell you how to not get entangled in it. So when we seek him, we will be able to avoid the temptation. Or we can just sleep through it like the disciples did and wake up in a panic, cut people's ears off and run away. God will not send temptations, but he will watch our reactions to them. We, we are kind of tested by them, not to say that God is sending evil to test us, but he does watch how we react to the evil. Satan is always there to buffet us. God is just watching our faithfulness in the process. Pray in advance of the battle that it might be avoided, but also listen to hear the instructions come forth from God, either on how to avoid it or on how to walk around the trial to God's glory. Pray so you can find out what God's will is and seek strength to walk in it, avoiding the temptation to act in your own will. Now, we're going to go to Luke 22. This is a different reading of the same scenario because there's something interesting in Luke's rendition of it. Sometimes when we're seeking the Lord and we're praying, he'll show us a trial or a temptation that's coming. And he might even tell us it's coming no matter what. But in that instance, we can pray and he might even tell us you're going to have to go through it. In that instance, we can pray for the strength or the grace to endure it and to walk through it. And that's what Jesus did. Because if you remember, first he prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass by me. God didn't let it pass. He said, okay, well then your will be done. And it says, as soon as he said your will be done, it says an angel came and strengthened him. So a lot of times that will be the circumstance. We might pray, God, you know, don't let this happen. And he might say, it's going to happen. But when we're there in that communion and we say, okay, God, well, your will be done, but I don't have the strength to bear it. I need you to strengthen me. You know that it's coming. That already is going to give you a heads up. You can seek him for that strength. That angel came, and I believe the angel came to reassure him that these things were coming, probably to reassure him that he already knew they were coming, that he knew he would be resurrected, to remind us, we all know we've been in those times where we were praying, and we know something's coming down, and we want God to tell us, well, it's, I'm going to take you out of all of it. You're not going to have to, but it doesn't happen that way. He says, no, it's coming, and this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to handle it. Then you're like, God, I don't have the strength. And then he starts reminding you, yeah, but remember when I did this. And remember when I told you this. And remember way back when I gave you this word. This is how it's going to play out. All through Jesus' life, there were words about the resurrection, about his crucifixion. He knew this was coming. He needed to be reminded of that. He needed to be strengthened before. And that came when he prayed. In Luke 22, starting in verse 40, it says, And when he was at the place... He said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and knelt down 
and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, which means that he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt this is the time and it's really going to happen. He was praying the more earnestly. Even though he had been strengthened, he was still in grief about it. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. It made him sad that they were sleeping. And said unto them, Why sleepest ye? Rise and pray, lest ye fall into temptation. He was still trying to warn them, you're going to fall if you don't pray. You know, we've all quoted it, and I love it because it's so true. Leonard Ravenhill's famous quote, A praying man will stop sinning, but a sinning man will stop praying. If you're not praying, you're straying. You have to stay praying and obey what God says when you pray. When we act according to our own will because we have not sought the Lord in prayer for His will, it is evil in God's eyes. Not knowing is no excuse when He gives you opportunity to know and you don't take it. If we do something out of ignorance that is against God's will because we didn't know, it's no excuse and He has no mercy on it if He gave us opportunity to know. Now, it's one thing if we really just didn't know. We, we didn't have the understanding. We, we sought him, but we didn't understand. God has mercy on that. But if he told us to seek, if he told us to pray, if he told us to do things and we just didn't do it, like he told the disciples, pray for an hour, get up and pray, get up and pray, and they still went to sleep, then we have no excuse for that. He gave opportunity for knowing. We just didn't take it. You don't have to turn there, but Second Chronicles twelve fourteen says, And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. That was from Danny's message. And I think it's very profound. If we do not seek the Lord, we will do evil by default. Why? Because the heart is deceitfully wicked. So if we do what we think is right, we're going to do evil. We have to seek the Lord for what he says is right. The next, prepare yourself to pray, to spend time in prayer daily, every day. Of course, we pray without ceasing. We pray throughout the day, but we can't neglect also that absolute sit-still time where we can really hear from the Lord because you really need that one-on-one -on -one intimate time where you can ask Him questions, where you can talk to Him, where He can give you instructions, where He can say, okay, write this down. Okay, open the scripture. Okay, call this person, okay, you know, do this or do that, where you can really get that instruction that it's hard for you to receive when you're talking to him while you're washing dishes or working in the garden. It's a different communication. But the next thing we need to do is prepare our hearts. Because if our heart's not right, God's not going to hear the prayer anyway. Psalms 34:15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such that be of a contrite spirit. 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. I like that first line where it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. If we are truly living in righteousness, which is requires seeking the Lord, because we have to seek him for what he says is right, to be righteous, because we have to do what he says is right, then his ears will be open to our cry. And anytime we're in trouble, anytime we don't understand, anytime we're afraid, if we cry to him, he will hear and he will respond quickly. Keep our hearts humble to prepare our hearts. Your heart needs to be humble. It needs to be ever seeking to please the Lord and to do what he wants. It needs to ever be seeking correction, you know, direction. Every time I pray, I'm like, God, correct me first. And usually when he gives me stuff, even if he gives me correction for somebody, I always apply it to myself first. And usually it'll take a little while of me repenting and crying out about, I don't know I did this before I realized it was for somebody else. Because I always apply it to me first until the Lord reveals to me, no, it's for this person or whatever. So we need to always have that heart of fearing the Lord and wanting to try to always be in right standing with him. You know, when we pray, we kind of have this mindset of laying our request before the Lord. And, And there is an aspect of that. But a lot of times we just sit there and talk at him, tell him what we want done, how we want it. Truly, when we seek the Lord, we should come before him with questions and then listen until he gives an answer. You know, we should come before him and and lay out, you know, and and feel the grieving of the Holy Spirit or the joy or whatever it is that he's pouring out in that moment and seek him, Lord, what do you want to show me? Talk to me. What do you want me to know? I'm coming before my general in the middle of a war. I don't need to tell him all of my babbling. I need to hear his orders. So I'll come before him and I'll say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And then lay in that silence until he gives the answer or the instruction or instructs you on how to. Sometimes he'll tell me, go put on a song. And that song will bring confirmation, you know, or open a scripture. Um, you know, it's, it's, to, it's really to receive from him those instructions. It's not so much about our pouring out. He already knows the desires of our heart. He already knows what we want to say. It's us that needs to know what he wants to say. What he has to say is more important anyway. In order to be prepared, We have to lay down the natural and start seeking him for the supernatural. We have to lay down everything we think we know, everything we think we understand, and seek him and walk in what he says, no matter what it sounds like, no matter what it feels like, do what he says is right. So we have to seek the Lord. So James 5, 16, you don't have to go there. It's one verse. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much, which is where we were was in preparing your heart. If we prepare our hearts to be righteous before the Lord, to seek him and to walk in his righteousness, then our prayers will avail much. And it also says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Because in order for us to stay righteous or in right standing with God, there's going to be times where we're struggling. And that verse is telling us, find that prayer partner, find that friend, find that trusted person that you can go to and say, I need help in this. My faith is wavering. I'm weak in this area. Pray with me that I have strength. Or even I'm losing faith on this situation that I've been praying for. And I believe God has told me this or given me this promise, but I'm getting weak in it. Pray with me. Let's see what the Lord gives you. Those kind of things will heal the soul. They'll strengthen you and they'll help you to walk in righteousness so that our prayers can avail much. So 
If we're seeking the Lord, we're praying, our heart is right, then we need to also work in advance of when we need it, not just when we need it, but in advance. We need to learn to prepare our hearing because as we said earlier, your prayers a lot of times are spoken, but then there's also that hearing that is very, very important. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So call unto the Lord, and he will answer, and he will show us great and mighty things which we knowest not. We need to learn to hear from the Lord, because when we seek him, he will show us things that we do not know. He will show us the enemy's plans in advance like we talked about earlier. But we need to prepare ourselves now to be able to hear the voice of the Lord so that when we come into a situation where we need that instruction desperately, we're not confused and panicked and freaking out and not sure of what we're hearing or who we're listening to. The next step is to prepare your faith. We need to have a strong faith, an unwavering faith. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and God will not hear him. We need to have a stable faith. And God gave me instructions on how to build faith. I have several of these little journals and they're all for different things. Um, but I have a red one. It's not this one. It's at home. It's a red one. And he told me to write down every time he performs a miracle or answers a confirmation or something to that effect. His instructions are to write it in a tablet. Isaiah 30 and 8 says, Now go, write it before them in a tablet, and note it in a book, that it may be for a time to come and forever and ever. The truth of the matter is, is that God has performed many miracles in all of our lives, and we will sit here right now and struggle to remember them. You know, we, we look at the Israelites and we're like, Look what God did, and they forgot that quick. Well, look at what God's done in our lives and how much we've forgotten. I mean, there's so many, there's, there's thousands of instances that I know happened, and I can sit here and struggle to remember, but I can't remember the details of it. He'll do an absolute miracle, and a day later, we're crying out, God, give me a sign, give me a sign, you know, and unless he reminds us, right, we don't remember most of what, what he's done, but what he had given me was to have that special notebook just to write those things down so that if any time or even just randomly to go back and just look over the list of the things he's done what a faith builder we go back and we read the stories in the old testament and the miracles that are performed and that builds our faith how much more will our faith be built when we look at the miracles he's done in our own lives psalms 105 verse 3 through 5 says glory ye in his holy name let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. So when we seek the Lord, when we seek him with, with praise, when we remember his marvelous works, it brings that joy, it brings that faith, it brings that, that attitude of praise, which is all important. Romans 15, 4 through 5 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, which is before, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ 
Jesus. So everything that was written is to bring us hope, to bring us learning and understanding. So again, I say, if the things that we read about other people's lives bring us great hope and faith and understanding, how much more will it be when we look back on the things he's done in our own lives? You know, we we made the example of the Israelites. God did so much and they constantly forgot. And we always kind of poke at them. But I know in my life, I've done the same. God will give me a thousand confirmations on a situation and then the devil will get in your ear and start discouraging you and you're praying out, God, send me something, send me something. And he's got to send a thousand more because we don't remember the last thousand that he sent. When I think it would be more effective if he could just say, just go read what you wrote and it really will build your faith. Jesus did the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. He fed five, that was the 10,000 people in the end. Started with 5,000 husbands. Right, 5,000 men and their family. Right, with just a few pieces of fish and, and five loaves of bread. Just a few days after this, he's in the boat with the disciples, and they go into a panic because they forgot to bring food. They, they forgot to bring bread. And it's like God just fed like thousands of people with a miracle, and you're panicking because they didn't bring enough bread on the boat. It's not just us. It's not just the Israelites. It was the same thing with the disciples. You know, we look at the story when Jesus went uh, up on the mountain and Moses and Elijah, I think it was, met him there and two of the disciples were with him. And they saw it and they wanted to build an altar and then the cloud came and a voice from heaven says, this is my son, you know, listen to what he says, believe him, they fall on their face. You know, God is speaking to them. They just saw two prophets resurrected to before him speaking to Jesus. They saw him transfigured. They saw all of this. And then Jesus comes and raises them up and says, it's okay, and then explains to them his crucifixion and resurrection. After all of that, when God himself audibly spoke to them in a cloud and told them, believe what he's saying, they still doubted the resurrection when the time came. They even saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. I mean, if you saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, would he not, you think, he'd have the ability to be raised himself? But they forget so easily. And we do too. We always do. Deuteronomy 6 verse 18 says, And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asked thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondsmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord shewed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all the household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. So he was saying, in times to come, your sons are going to ask you, what is all of this stuff that happened? What are the testimonies of how God brought you out of Egypt? And you're going to tell him all these great and wonderful things. Well, what would happen if when that son came and asked what were the testimonies, they were like, well, God took us out of Egypt. He did a lot of miracles, but 
the details kind of escape me. You know, and that's kind of how we do when we don't record these things. We're like, well, God delivered me. He did this great work. He answered my prayer to save this person. The details kind of escape me. You know, it's just, it's great to have that testimony. And we get these little miracles all the time. You know, I was praying the other morning and I was crying out for the Lord and I was like, okay, God, I need to hear from you. I need clarity in this situation. You know, tell me what you want. I need to hear from you. And he says, get up and turn on Pandora. So I get up and I turn on Pandora and a song starts playing that I've never heard before. And every single word in the song, God could have just been sitting there telling it straight to me. Every single word was exactly what I needed to hear. It was confirmation. Everything was right. I get towards the end of the song. He says, open up the Bible. I open it up. The passage is, I mean, like three or four verses, word for word for word, such a, like an amazing confirmation. I'm like, wow, God, that's great. And if that's not enough, he says, listen to David Wilkerson. Go to page 15 of the sermon index, third sermon from the bottom. I'm like, ooh, that's pretty specific. So I open it up. I go to the 15th page of sermons, third sermon from the bottom, start playing. The whole sermon is about the very passage that he just gave me. The whole thing, like such a perfect confirmation. And then I get to the end of it, and the only time he really gets out of that passage is to talk about Nehemiah on the wall, which was a word God gave me a few days back that we did a manna about. So like the whole thing was just like so perfect. That was like a faith builder, and it was like, okay, that's good. I, I'm, that's clear. I'm back on track. But in a week, I'm going to have forgotten it if I don't write it down. So those things, when we come back to, will build our faith. We've seen a lot of miracles. Daddy was supposed to die. He didn't. God healed him. The doctor said it's impossible. That's a miracle. You know, I can look at God gave me a word. I'm going to use you to stop the flow of a mighty river. A week later, me and Danny were standing in his parents' yard, threatened by flood. The house was supposed to flood. It had three more feet to rise. It was at the doorstep of his sister's house. And we prayed. The river literally stopped. The flow stopped. It didn't rise one more inch, and it started to go down. That's a miracle. But these are things that you don't think about unless you really write it down and start looking. But not just the big miracles. All of the little provisions, confirmations, and validations that he gives us are still just as powerful of a miracle when we go back and start looking at them lined up. So write them all down. Every prayer that's answered, list all of that. And I would say even the things that God uses you to do, because those are faith builders too when we walk out something in obedience. And like God had told me a while back to get this little bottle and make some anointing oil and put in it and to go put it in somebody's mailbox. And I didn't even tell them that I was going to do it. Um, I knew they were going to be kind of depressed that day. It was like an anniversary of her mom's passing. So I went and I just, I didn't say anything. It was a pretty little bottle. It was real cute. I took a little scroll and wrote all kinds of little verses about anointing with oil throughout scripture. And I put it in the mailbox. Well, later that day, she calls me freaking out. She figured out who it was. She's like, you're not going to believe this. She says, God told me yesterday evening to anoint my house with oil. She says, but I come from a background where we never did that. I didn't know anything about it. She was like, and I even told God, I don't even know where to get it. She's like, I can't anoint my house with oil. I don't. She was like, send me scriptures. I don't understand this. I don't even know where to get oil. And then the next day one shows up in her mailbox with all the scriptures about anointing with oil. 
Well, that was a, a faith builder for her. It was, she used the whole bottle like in two days. <laughs> well, maybe a little more than that, but she was excited. But it, it was a confirmation that God really wanted her to do that. But that's a faith builder for me too, that I was obedient to do that. So I would say even stuff like that, you know, write it in there because when you go back and read it, it will really encourage your faith. That God is real, this stuff is real, the devil will try to tell you, give up, it's just a bunch of nonsense. You look back over these things and you're like, no, can't tell me that, this is real. The next step is to prepare our faithfulness. 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for us. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. And of course, this was when Israel was crying out to have a king. This is actually some that we'll highlight it during the week. That's why I said I think God has been speaking this message to all of us because everybody's messages came together into one lesson. But we have to prepare ourselves to be faithful also. It does absolutely no good if we seek the Lord, if we hear from the Lord, and then we don't obey what we hear. A lot of times God talks to us and we just go on and do our own thing anyway. We have to learn to be faithful and to obey the things that he tells us to do. We have to learn to stop trusting our own senses. We, yeah. we want to trust the five senses. Can I see it? Does it make sense? Can I touch it? We have to learn to trust God and not ourselves. And really that's the key. Um, in the same chapter, in verses 14, it says, If ye will fear the Lord, and that really is key. When we start to truly fear the Lord, we will stop trusting ourselves and start obeying Him. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, because if we don't fear Him, we're not going to act in wisdom, because we're going to do what we think is right, which is never wise. So the, if we fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your father's. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. So when he gives a commandment, we always have a choice to obey or not to obey. That is the question. And if we do not obey, God will be against us. But if we do obey, he will do great and mighty things. If you want to see miracles, seek the Lord, get a word from the Lord, and walk in obedience to that word because he's going to make his word come to pass, even if it takes miracles to do it. And if we walk in accordance with that, we'll be walking in those miracles because he's going to make it happen no matter what. But if we decide to do things our own way and walk outside of it, it's not going to work and he will be against us. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. We can seek the Lord all we want. If he tells us what to do and we don't do it, we're just deceiving our own selves. He will be against us. For this section, the next part is to prepare your praise. So we've gone through seeking the Lord, praying, having a right heart so that he'll hear the prayers, listening to the Lord, getting a word from him, and obeying that word. And when we've done all of that, we need to prepare ourselves to praise. 
in any situation, we have to prepare ourselves to praise. We need to prepare our hearts to be thankful unto the Lord, to always have an attitude of gratitude, which is what Tammy was talking about earlier, how she switched from praying for this person to having a thankfulness. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this person. And it's very important to always have an attitude of gratitude no matter what we go through. It doesn't matter if you're hungry. It doesn't matter if you're cold. It doesn't matter if things don't seem to be going right in the moment. If we're always thankful to the Lord, he will work things out to our advantage and there will always be a peace. If you notice the people, they don't have a peace about them. The people that are always anxious, the people that are always in a bad attitude, they're not grateful. They're a very unhappy people. But the people that always have a peace about them, that supernatural, divine, Holy Spirit peace, they're a thankful people. And it doesn't matter how bad the situation... Yeah, it doesn't matter how bad the situation is. They're like, oh, well, praise the Lord. He loves me, you know. And she's like, oh, that's just the most peaceful, happy person. It's because they have a thankfulness about them. And when you start looking at the scriptures, you see that that spirit of praise brings a peace on you because it builds your faith when you start to praise. Luke 17, 11 says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Out of the ten lepers, only one returned to give glory. And sadly enough, this is the case. A lot of times, even among us, God will do these little miracles in our lives. And I say little miracles, every miracle is a big miracle. But, you know, when he sends the confirmation, we'll cry out, oh God, I'm so discouraged, show me something. And he'll move in a mighty way to give you that word. And half the time we're like, okay, and we're just moving on. You know, it just picked us up just enough to not give up, you know, but we're really not stopping and thanking and praising and giving that gratitude. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's almost like a sense of, well, it's your job to keep me serving you. So all this did was keep me from giving up. So I'm good now. Let's go. But he doesn't owe us anything. And we need to be thankful for everything, even the, the little confirmations that he gives just to constantly always, always remember to come back and give that praise. And I think that we can all probably do better in certain areas because He does so much. He's so grateful. He does so much for all of us that sometimes it almost becomes routine and we should never let it become routine. We need to always be in awe of every little thing that God does. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, The will of God is that we give thanks in absolutely everything. 
Even in the attacks, we give thanks because we can grow from the attacks. We're strengthened in the attacks. No matter what, give God thanks. Colossians 3.14 says, and right now we're talking about gaining peace from praise. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. In all things we give Him praise, we give Him thanks, and it brings us peace. And of course, Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says, Be ye careful for nothing, which that word translates really to anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, which is all the things you're going to be writing in your miracle journal, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Remember, God inhabits the praises of his people, so when he walks into the situation, the situation's going to change, and he's going to bring a peace with him. So in conclusion, we're going to look at, go to Matthew 6. This is our final passage. When we're talking about preparing, no matter what it's for, whether it's preparing for tribulation, preparing for hard times, preparing for ministry growth, preparing for any stage of your life, preparing for retirement, preparing for anything. This is the instructions from Jesus himself. We could have skipped the whole lesson and just heard it straight from Jesus's mouth because this is what he says. Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkened, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. 
Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. We don't want to seek after those things. We want to seek the Lord. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So we don't seek the things, we seek the Lord. We don't seek to prepare the physical, we prepare the spiritual, because if we seek the Lord and His righteousness, He will always see to it that what we need is provided. There's, there's worry, you know, what if Hillary gets in? Things are going to get bad for Christians. Things are going to turn ugly. It's going to get ugly eventually regardless anyway. But we could prepare all we want and one floodgate not open and can wipe us all out. We have to prepare our spiritual man to hear the Lord and then he will take care. He will tell you where to go. He will tell you what to do. He will take care. That's what he gave me. That we need to have a mindset of being in training right now to discipline ourselves, to put ourselves in training to prepare these aspects of our lives to be as strong as possible. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.